Welcome to another episode of the Vision for the Valley podcast. I'm your host, Joe Velarde, and I'm so excited for us to have my good friend, Quinn McDowell, with us today as we, again, in this podcast, are highlighting the people in the places of the Lehigh Valley. And Quinn is an assistant basketball coach at Lehigh University. And so, Quinn, we're so excited to have you on with us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Joe, thanks for having me. Um, our family came to the Lehigh Valley about two years ago. And after living in a bunch of different places throughout the course of the last decade, essentially, and um, my wife and I met at William and Mary uh, School down in, in Virginia. And then I continued to play uh, professional basketball after my collegiate career uh, at William and Mary. And, and we traveled around the world as I played in places like Spain and Latvia and Australia, the NBA G League. Um, until I kind of had a bad knee injury that uh, forced my my retirement. And then I got into coaching. And uh, anybody that's familiar with the coaching profession or uh, somebody that, you know, as, as a professional that doesn't make the NBA, there's a lot of travel involved. There's a lot of, um, you know, new environments and cultures uh, that you get to be a part of and experience. But it also means that you move a lot. And so uh, Lindsay and I, my wife, uh, I think we counted up about 15 different addresses that we had lived at it for at least three months throughout the course of our, uh, our last uh, eight or nine years together. But coming to the Lehigh Valley has been uh, a great stop for us. Uh, we've really enjoyed it as a family. Uh, we have three boys, five, three, and one, Titus, Ezra, and Malachi. And um, this has been one of our favorite stops uh, from a family perspective, from a work perspective, and um, and and from a church perspective so we've really enjoyed all those aspects so far that's awesome man so i i wanted to ask you a couple of questions that i didn't send to you beforehand <laughs> so i wanted to ask you uh so what you've been all over well like what was your favorite place that you played at mm-hmm. like you know as far, beyond college because i know that's a whole different thing yeah. professionally what was your favorite place i think the, the cool thing about what we did um is that you get to experience different cultures and different doesn't always mean enjoyable, right? Um, Different can mean a lot of, uh, it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, but I would say for the most part, we were able to maintain a pretty uh, positive attitude, especially Lindsay is is probably totally unfair to her uh, because we were every, everything that we were doing was based on kind of my career and, and, um, you know, my whatever next contract I was able to get. So, you know, to be honest, uh, it may sound like a cop-out, but we didn't, I don't know if we even had a favorite place. Every place was so different. Yeah. In Australia, it was probably the easiest transition because it's an English-speaking country. You know, there's sunny beaches and really nice people. And, um, you know, in Spain, we got to live in a city of 50,000. So we got a real authentic, uh, you know, cultural experience there where not many people spoke English. We had to learn the language. Uh, my wife taught English as, as a teacher. Um, and then Latvia is, is just, you know, Eastern Europe has its own totally different flavor of, of people and uh, lifestyle and, and all that kind of stuff. And so we were, we've had roommates along the way. We've, uh, you know, we've, awesome. we've lived with, um, you know, families and, and other players. Uh, we've made some great friends, uh, had some great memories, um, but also had some, some challenging times as well. So when did you play Luca? That's what I want to know. Uh, well, even if Luca and I were uh, <laughs> playing in the same country, we would have been on totally different courts because he would have been on the top court and I would have been somewhere towards the bottom. So, <laughs> well, who's your uh, who is your favorite basketball player? My favorite player. This is um, I really love to study teams uh, and yeah, systems. Teams, yeah, yeah, I love teams and systems to study, and obviously within within that, you have different um, guys that you might gravitate towards, but. You know, I loved uh, I loved the the Spurs of the of the mid two thousands. Um, I loved the Warriors of you know the two thousand and tens. You know, those were some of my favorite teams to watch and just uh, study their style of play, how the pieces fit together, the 
you know, the job the coaches did, um, you know, putting those, those pieces in the right positions um, and, and just, and I think there is a, a theme there of, of selfless guys who are able to give up somewhat of their personal accolades, you know, for team success, you know, so a guy like Tim Duncan comes to mind and, you know, I wasn't a post player, so it wasn't like he is the the sexiest kind of, uh, you know, basketball player in terms of his skills and highlight reels and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of doing things that lead to winning, um, you know, that's a kind of a guy and a player that um, I really love to, to study and just watch. Um, and even to this day. Yeah, I think that's even a good uh, leadership principle. You know, when you think about team dynamics, you know, we were talking about this before we jumped on, but the idea that, you know, to see a team be successful requires more than just a player. Yeah, you know, it requires a whole team, including coaches, including, you know, general managers and all the people that are involved in, in the process, the things that you don't even get to see, like scouting and, um, you know, people that do the medical stuff as well. So I think that's just even an important lesson for us to just think about, like, you know, as you, as you consider leadership and, and even the value of others and what mm -hmm. they bring versus what you bring. And so as you think about even um, making that transition from playing to coaching, you, you mentioned that part of the, the catalyst for that was your, your injury a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just curious, like, when did you come to the conclusion, like, hey, you know what, like, I can't, like, when did you say, hey, I'm willing to let this dream go to mm. the next dream? Because that had to be really hard, especially you, know, you had been playing professionally at this point and you had, you know, been a, several stops. And, you know, I know your story a bit that, you know, you were making good strides, you know, as far as um, your professional career was going. And so what, what led to you saying, hey, you know what, like, uh, obviously the injury is part of it, but like it, it would be easy to try to hold on to that, you know, that that part of your life versus Absolutely. like, hey, there's a new dream. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned and actually used the specific language of dreams and dreaming um, because at the time um, I was, you know, I, I had had a good college career, um, but it actually didn't end the way that totally the way that I had ever wanted or, or even had anticipated, we, we won like six games my senior year. And, and I had battled through injuries in the off season and didn't have a great um, finish from a, you know, from a production and a, and a personal per standpoint in my college career. I wasn't terrible, but I really wasn't at the level that I, I could have been. And for a lot of different reasons. And then on top of that, you know, our team didn't have success. And so you know, but for some reason, God continued to put it into my heart that like, I had the desire to play. And I, I you know, I looked at other, I, I actually, you know, visited a bunch of seminaries my senior year in college, um, you know, thought about, you know, going kind of into the ministry, or, you know, into acad academia. Um, you know, I was a religious studies major, I love the process of reading and writing and research. And for whatever reason, God kept that, that desire alive in me. And so I just told him, I said, you know, and this was kind of my prayer all along is just like, listen, I'm going to be totally open-handed with this. And when you want me to be done, I'll be done. Mm. And my prayer really actually was, it was that, but it was also that God, give me the desire, take the desire away from me when you want when you want me to, to go a different direction. And for four years, that desire didn't leave. I mean, honestly, it didn't. And, and honestly, there were very, there were a few times when I, cause I had, I had troubles, you know, and for, like I said, a variety of reasons, but partly being that I didn't have a great senior year in college, more trouble getting started in my professional career than maybe I had anticipated. And maybe I was just naive, but um, you know, I, had a, I had a good college career and was a good player, all conference level player. Uh, but it was difficult for me to, you know, get get those first couple of contracts and get to better leagues. And every few times I almost threw in the towel. But, you know, I kept kind of that 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 prayer and that mantra in the back of my mind that 
God, this is going to be your career. It's not really going to be mine. And you, you need to do with it what you want to do with it. And I'll be obedient to whatever that might look like. Mm-hmm. And so the dreams of becoming a professional, it was never all or nothing for me. And, and it is for some guys like, you know, I really wasn't that good. So, um, you know, I, I hope nobody's getting a, a false sense of like how good I was, but it was good enough to go overseas and, and get paid a little bit of money to do that. Um, but it was never like, man, if I stop playing basketball, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Like that was never my kind of mindset or mentality. And so as I started progressing through the, through my career and God continued to open doors, he gave me success um, at several different stops and allowed me to kind of get that next, that next contract and start moving up a little bit to the point where I was starting to make a little bit more money and, and actually could kind of foresee um, my professional career being kind of the first major, it, it would be like a full career, you know, maybe 10, maybe 12 years, we would have our kids overseas, we would start a family, like, you know, I maybe I'd sign multi-year deals, like it was going to be a real thing, instead of just kind of this experience that, you know, that we were doing. And so, you know, that kind of started to, for Lindsay, both Lindsay and I, that to creep into our minds that, Hey, this could be a dream of ours that like, you know, like living overseas, playing professionally could be a real thing for us and how we start our lives together. And at the time, right before I got injured, I I listened to um, actually John Rittner, who we've talked about and um, who who wrote a great book, you know, positively irritating and irritated. And um, he was preaching uh, at a church in Hollywood and so I was actually listening to a sermon series that he was uh, going through on Joseph mm. and, uh, and some of the dreams that Joseph had mm. in terms of, uh, you know, kind of the, the ups and downs that, uh, that God allowed him to experience in his life and how the death of dreams a lot of times um, comes at the expense of what we want uh, so that God can get what he wants. And um, not to say that I don't even think any of my dreams were misplaced or or had, you know, um, poor intentions or anything like that. But I remember sitting on a table in the middle of Russia, Krasnyark, Russia. So to get to Krasnyark, we lived in Latvia. You, you, you take like a three hour flight, four hour flight up to Moscow. But then from Moscow, you go like inland to Russia, which is like Siberia, like, you know, labor camps, like super cold. Um, you go inland and take like a six hour flight. So we are in the middle of nowhere, Russia. And, and it's actually the end of the game. And I, and I just come down the floor and I plant on my, uh, my right, my right leg. And, and I just immediately know that I hear a pop loud pop. And I immediately know that I've, you know, I've injured myself pretty badly and probably torn my ACL. And, and so I'm, I'm sitting on the, on the table in the middle of a training room and my Latvian trainer is speaking Russian to the Russian trainer about my knee and I'm just laying there and you can imagine some of the things that were going through my mind and and really was it what I was experiencing because at the core of my of of myself at that moment I knew my career was done like I, I really did and it, and it was it was kind of the, the death of a dream mm-hmm. and it was the death of a dream of like of kind of what I had just spoke about before I'd started kind of getting this career going to the point where it could be a little bit more sustainable. And we were going to start having a, my, my wife at the time was, was pregnant with our oldest Titus and she was planning to have him overseas in Latvia. And suddenly all the plans that I had going on in my head and that we haven't talked about as a couple and you know, started planning for the future, like all those kind of died in that moment. And it was, it was a really, it was a moment I'll never forget. And, um, but one thing that like actually came through to me that really ministered to me in that moment was kind of the part in Genesis when, um, when Joseph is, um, you know, is, is thrown into prison when he's, you know, wrongfully convicted when his brothers sell him into slavery. And there's a phrase in there um, that continued to get repeated kind of, through this sermon series that I was listening to and it. And the phrase is just simply this, but God was with Joseph. He gets thrown in the pit, you know, and he gets sold to slave traders, but God was with Joseph. You know, he gets, um, you know, he, he works his way up to become, you know, a, a really respected servant, you know, in the house of Potiphar. And then the wife, you know, totally betrays him and, and gets him thrown into jail. But God was with Joseph, you know, and then he helps and interprets the dreams of, um, 
you know, of, of one of the, his fellow prison mates who gets out and he's, you know, and totally forgets about him, you know, but God was with Joseph. And so even through all of the, um, the, t- the ups and the downs and the seemingly hopelessness in that, in those moments in scripture, really, it really did minister to me in that moment. And, um, and I, I, I didn't know what the future was going to hold, but I knew my career was probably done. And I knew that, that my dream had kind of died in that moment or whatever version of my dream was at that moment. And so, um, you know, that's, that, that's been a powerful part of, uh, of my story and, and of the story of our family. Well, it's, it's interesting even to hear it from your vantage point, like what you experienced, obviously it's your story, yeah. but it's also beautiful because I get an up close seat to you guys. And as we've gotten to know each other and obviously the shutdown and COVID made it different <laughs> as you guys had made your move yeah. to yeah. the Valley. Uh, but one of the things I appreciate about you and, and Lindsay is your, um, that prayer still is, I, I, I believe, on your your heart and on, on your lips like hey god whatever you have for us the answer is yes yeah um whatever dreams you are birthing in us we want to join you in that and and i think it's important even just to note that um in order to get to resurrections there always has to be uh, a death and a burial mm-hmm. and a waiting period as mm-hmm. we've seen the life of jesus um, and then there's this beautiful resurrection. There's this new vision. It's, it's I was reading through Isaiah 43 today uh, with our staff team and just reminded of this promise that, you know, he says, forget the former things. And it's not that you forget in the sense of reflecting or processing what needs to be processed, but more so not to hold on. Like, and so when I hear you um, talking about this, to hold on to the dream so much that mm. you miss this new thing that he's doing. He's making a way, it would say, in the wastelands and, and opening these doors. And, and, I, and I love even that picture of the, the fact that it says God was with Joseph, God was with Joseph, God was with Joseph. And it's really a powerful story. No matter who you are and where you are on your journey, mm-hmm. uh, as you're, you're hearing this, because the, the life of Joseph, it really, I think, helps us to process our own story a little bit of mm. the things that we think would go one way but go another way the journey that he goes on that is really about not just what he'll accomplish in his competence but who he will become like his character mm. like and, and really i mean it's one of my when you're talking that i'm like getting jammed up because <laughs> it's one of my favorite like stories like just to to walk through even how he's processing in real time those pain points so Mm. like there's even like times where it says like he just he sees his brothers and they have this great reconciliation but prior to them having that like it says he goes in the back and essentially just weeps it's like three Mm -hmm. times it says he weeps Mm -hmm. and just cries out and so as you think about even that process of of letting one dream die so another dream can resurrect Mm. now you're moving in this coaching realm so how how did this come to be? Like, did CJ McCollin call you and say, hey, man, I've seen your game tape. I've heard about you. I remember I remember us crossing paths, you know. Yeah. Um, what, what was the process for you as far as coaching is concerned? Um, that is a great question because I don't have a great answer. Um, you know, if there was – if you had asked me in college, what, uh, what are you going to do when you grow up? I would have told you, I don't know, but I'm prob I'm definitely not going to be a coach, mm-hmm. you know, like you see how much those guys work, you know, and you see how much they're, they're away from their families, like the lifestyle, this, that, and the other. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't have a good explanation. My only good explanation is that God put some people into my life that knew me and that said, hey, you should think of like, they knew my personality, they knew some of the ways in which I process things and, you know, some of my heart for, you know, being really missional, mission oriented and, and driven by purpose and, um, you know, competitive and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they said, you should just think about this. You should try, you should think about it. And, and for whatever reason, guys just put me in, uh, maybe because my ego would get too big or whatever. I just become <laughs> too self-reliant. If I was like 
a successful banker or something and just like had a ton of money and um I felt like I had everything figured out because for whatever reason like God is just our life path has been um one series of I don't want to make it sound like we've had a hard life because that is you know that's totally not the case like when it comes to you know the history of the world like you know we're like the most privileged you know we live in the most privileged society in the history of mankind and like and I'm like right in the middle of that so like I'm not trying to cry woe is me but there no, is I would, but I would say you're it's, like, it's non-traditional I should say yeah. our path has been non-traditional yeah and so say, yeah I was gonna say it's not predictable as predictable yeah. as like so non-traditional predictable yeah like, absolutely yeah it's a good other good word yeah like there's just an unsettledness to what you do however you want to phrase it like and that's its own type of hard because right yeah yeah great way to put oh, it i didn't mean to cut you off but no ahead. no no that's that's a great way to put it it and so unpredictable and honestly like all, all of us I, I think especially middle class people like ourselves like okay. let's just be honest like we have it pretty good but like and a lot of your experience is shaped by the people that you see around you. Right. So the people that we saw around us, especially coming from William and Mary, which is a pretty high academic school, high achieving, you know, you go, you graduate, you get a job, you climb the corporate ladder, you make lots of money. You have 1.7 kids. You, you know, you uh, like you buy the house and then you buy the second house and then you, you work and you work and you work and you retire. And you like, you know, like that's, that's the path for a lot of our friends. And we just, we, we didn't do that, but, and not to say that I regret any, any of it, because I don't think you ever, you, you can never be too obedient to what God has called you to do. Um, but there's, there's a sense there that like, we've had to really walk by faith in a lot of different ways. Um, and coaching has been kind of the forefront uh, at the forefront of, of that journey for us because it is a super demanding, competitive, um, high intensity, time intensive, um, rewarding, amazing profession. Like it's all of those things wrapped into one, but because of all those things, it is super difficult to get started in this profession. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you have to grind at lower levels, be in a support staff, be a GA, a graduate assistant, be a, you know, before you can really even start to get full-time positions. And God, God opened some doors right away, even though it was at lower level, I started at division three school. And even to get a full-time position at division three school with no coaching experience was a minor miracle, honestly. And it, and so I got a full-time position right away and I got to work for, work for a great guy, Dave Macedo. And, um, you know, and really got my coaching start there at a division three school in Virginia beach, Virginia. And, um, like I said, I don't, I don't even know why I decided to get into it other than, you know, it's like I said, I had some people speaking in my life and just felt like that was where God was leading us. And so we started our family. Lindsay came back to the United States at 36 weeks pregnant with Titus and had, uh, somehow we tricked a doctor into taking her on as a patient and that laid in her pregnancy and we had our we had titus and then i want to say you know four or five months no three or four months later we moved down to virginia so we started a family um i moved to a new location and i started a new job all within the span of four you know three four five months and just from there we've just we've had a few different stops along the way but you know, at the end of the day, I just feel like for now, and that this could change, um, but this is where God has us. And, uh, you know, the, the opportunity to do life with a group of, we, you know, at the division one level, we have 12 scholarships. So 12 scholarships, 12 disciples. Is there, is there a coincidence? I don't know. Um, but there's some, there's some cool symmetry there. And so, you know, we just, we feel like this is where God has us. And I, I always say, I didn't choose coaching. Coaching chose me and that's where we find ourselves it's pretty incredible too because you know the journey that you've gone on and even how hard it is beyond like yes it's like demanding as a a job you know in in the profession um but to even get in <laughs> it's like hyper competitive as you said and I, I think it's a good reminder to us 
no matter where we find ourselves, um, are we willing to do the deep work that's necessary, uh, the meaningful work? Sometimes it looks like support staff. Sometimes it looks like doing the videoing stuff. You know, <laughs> like yeah. sometimes it looks like you fill in the blank. You know, but I don't. I think that's a, a transferable principle, no matter what you do, because I think mm. a lot of times there's a, you know, for middle class, for all people this focus on achievement and accomplishment, mm -hmm. almost to short circuit the process of who we're becoming. Mm -hmm. And part of who we're becoming happens in the, when the lights are not bright and on us, but when mm -hmm. we're in the background and the things that we learn that we don't know that we're learning, <laughs> but we need to learn. And, you know, the lessons that, um, whether it's like moving chairs or, you know, picking up something or, you know, staying late, coming in early, whatever the, yeah, yeah. whatever it is but i think that those really? things are really important because i think we we often again and I, I know i've been guilty of this you know because of the achievement and accomplishment and for whatever mm -hmm. um the way we've defined success and our culture has put that on us or even subcultures that we find ourselves in it can cause us to miss the gift that's in front of us and to mm. let that slow slow grind uh lead to the climb versus yeah. <laughs> like the other way around where it's like yeah. hey i'm just like shooting out of a cannon and i get like sometimes that happens and but then i i would sometimes wonder for people who it goes quick and fast and again because we 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 applaud so much the competencies of others yeah i think we do a disservice to them and to ourselves when we don't yeah. allow our development who we're becoming to keep pace with our character in our chemistry of how we work with others, you know, and that's why I even love the story about what you're, what you're sharing because it's, yes, there are these opportunities that emerge, but the willingness to do what it was necessary or what it would take yeah. um, that would, you know, cause you to be faithful and to grow into this realm and this role and this influence that you currently have. Yeah. You know, I, I think that there's a, there's a temptation for, all of us, but especially in coaching, it, it's a, because of the way it's set up, a lot of times, you know, exactly how much money the guy next to you is making because they're like a lot of salaries are public. You like, it's very much like a, a connection and relationship business. And so, you know, and it's very tiered. So like you go to this job, you kind of at this level, if you go to this job, you're at that level, so on and so forth. So, you know, comparison is the thief of all joy and, and, and really like the, mm -hmm. it's so easy to compare. And, and I'm not saying this is, you know, coaching is the only profession people do this and people do it in all walks of life. And it's easier now to compare than ever before, just because it's only of, coaching. It's only coaching. Yeah. Right. Well, all you got to do is turn on your phone. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and you can fall into that trap, but um, you know, I think that there's a, you know, there's, there's such a, there's such valuable biblical, you know, truths in there to bloom, you know, really bloom where you're planted and, 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 uh, run, run the race that God has set before you, not the race, not anybody else's race. And, um, you know, be a servant, you know, serve first and eat last, right? Like, like all the things that Jesus, you know, exhibited in his own life really challenged me throughout this process um and even now like i hope i never lose that regardless of where god takes us in this coaching journey like you know whether i'm at a division three school and doing the laundry you know or whether i become a head coach someday and you just you're responsible for you know millions of dollars and you know and and staff and you know and 12 to 15 players every year and you know, God, God just gives you more and more influence and, and responsibility, like whatever, wherever it is that he takes us. I hope that, um, you know, I can walk one of, one of my, my core behaviors that I try to exhibit is, and the phrase I used to walk or is, is humility is one of my core values, but the core behavior associated with that is to walk with a limp. And so that's just, you know, that's just kind of like a, it's a mental picture of like, Hey, don't, don't, don't like walk around with your chest puffed out. Like you got all this like figured out. And honestly, this, like this profession, it keeps you humble all the time. It, it really does. As soon as you think you're really good, then, you know, something bad happens the next day or whatever, that's totally outside of your control. 
Um, and so there, there's a lot of, I, I feel like the, the character formation, you know, that God has allowed us to experience in me specifically um, has been greater than anything else I could have really asked for, even though at the time it's not like it's, it's, you know, like discipline isn't uh, enjoyable at the time, but afterwards it leads to life and growth. And so, um, you know, there's been, I've had so many prayers and, you know, God just helped me to be content where I'm at, be content with doing the work that you give me, but also work like, you know, Mark Batterson has a great line. It's like, pray like it depends on God, but work like it depends on you. And so I've, I've tried to do that, but man, if, if I'd be lying, if I said there aren't days when it's like, you look around and you're like, well, why, why aren't I there? Or how did so-and-so get to that, that point? And now you're just missing the whole point of why you, of why God has placed you where you're at. And that's to be faithful with the people that he's put in front of you. So good. Cause I, I think that's even one of the things that when we talked um, and we, we just recently got together for lunch, we had a great lunch. And uh, one of the things I appreciated even from our conversations is just this uh, intentionality of, of how we're living, um, really seeing the mission uh, that, that we're on. And I think even as I listen to you talk a bit, and, and one of the reasons I think your pairing with Lehigh is, is a good match <laughs> beyond your schooling piece and in your, even your own journey is I think the, the focus on uh, recruitment and recruiting a certain kind of player, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, and the priority, once you get the player in the leadership development processes um, that you guys have in place there. So I wanted to ask you, you know, when it comes to recruiting, like, what are you looking for, you know, and how do you go about recruiting? And, and the reason I want to ask you is I think it's interesting, but I also think for all of us, as we think about inviting people in to whatever it is that we're in, whether that's on a friendship level, and I know it's a different type of recruiting then, but as you're sharing life with others or yeah. uh, in, in your leadership in, in the office or in other spheres of influence, I do think we need to have an intentional um, focus to how we're going to, like what we're looking for and how we're going about it. Mm. Uh, because you can get anybody and everybody, um, but really getting anybody and everybody usually gets you not the people that you really want, you know? Yeah. Um, so can you walk us through kind of like your, your uh, type of player you're looking for and, and even the leadership development processes yeah. that you guys have there? Yeah, I, mean, I think Jim Collins, you know, the, the famous business writer has probably made this the most uh, poignant in kind of when he uses the phrase getting the right people on the bus. Mm -hmm. And then once the right people are on the bus, putting the right people in the right seats. Mm -hmm. And so I've always loved that analogy just because you don't want to be with, you don't want to invite somebody on the bus that you don't want to be around because <laughs> yeah. bus rides are long. <laughs> and a lot of times you have to sit in traffic. And sometimes you got to sit close to somebody in a uncomfortable seat. And so um, getting the right people on the bus is super important for any, for any organization, for really any, any of us, like the majority of our lives, our waking hours are spent at work. Mm -hmm. And if you don't work with people that you like, you just start adding up those hours and you, you'll get like, you'll get real depressed real quickly because, um, you know, you like, like it or not, you're spending more time with people that you work with than you are with your family. Mm -hmm. And so that's so, so important. And how that applies to recruiting is, I think one of the things I've always, I've heard is um, recruiting is about elimination. Mm -hmm. So um, it's less about finding the right person and more about uh, eliminating the wrong one. And I think that that is, that is so true. I think the best programs in the best teams have a very clear standard for what they want in terms of the type of person and the type of player. I think if you can even get to that level yeah. that they are willing to, um, they're willing to bring into their program because the culture of a program is sacred. And you can't just open that up to anybody. 
Now, uh, the important caveat here is that <laughs> college basketball and anybody that's ever played basketball, there's only five guys on the court. So anybody that plays basketball knows that one player can make a huge difference in the outcome of, of a game and outcome of your season. And at the end of the day, we are all like Lehigh is a very missional place in terms of like really investing in the growth and development process of their student athletes over the course of four years. But as college basketball coach, especially called men's college basketball, like we have to win. So there's a certain level of talent that has to be kind of a, a minimum standard. Um, so I'm not saying we, we can just take like the best guys, you know, like in terms of their character and personality and culture fit and just be okay with that. We have to get really good players. But at the end of the day, when your culture is sacred, who you allow, who you give that, that key to into the inner circle is so important. And one of the things I've always loved is recruiting is about elimination, but also can you, uh, can you, whoever you're recruiting um, are, can you lose with that person? Mm. So like, can you experience and go through failure and understand that that person is going to, um, is going to process those things the right way. He's going to have a growth mindset through the ups and downs of a season that there he's going to be willing to learn and grow from his mistakes, that it's not always going to be about him, you know, all those things that go along with losing. I think we've all probably been on teams with bad losers. Um, and so those are a couple of things I think that at least I look for personally. Um, and then, you know, there's always, there's always other stuff that you think considers obviously academics, and, you know, all that stuff, but that stuff's not as interesting. So. <laughs> well, I think even the, I think what's important for all of us is to value what it is that we do and the culture that we're a part of. Do we believe our mm -hmm. culture is sacred or not? Yeah. Oftentimes I think we take it for granted, especially if you're in something for a long period of time. Yeah. And so you start to lose the sacredness of it and you, you undersell what it is. And, you know, you assume anybody and everybody can come in and fit and that's not true. You know, mm -hmm. so, I think even what you're saying, Quinn, is really important too of, are you specific enough? And is it written out somewhere, which I think you would agree with hmm. as far as like, hey, what are the values and the behaviors I'm looking for? And yes, there is, there does need to be some level of competency, mm -hmm. specifically in this context, it's basketball, but that's across the board. Like, obviously you can have a great personality and a yeah. great, uh, you know, chemistry with others and even high character but like if i'm trying to hire you for an office manager position and you don't know how to work <laughs> programs and computer i mean we got a problem yeah. like and you know a lot of times you can teach people uh, but i do think there has to be this core competency that's yeah. there as well um and so as you think about like recruiting i was just curious from your vantage point when like so how does this pursuit go like how do you <laughs> you get people to come in like what does that the process look like yeah they say recruiting is like um <laughs> shaving or like brushing your teeth like you better do it every day or else uh you know things things will go bad quickly so it, it's a constant um part of our part of my job and i, I love recruiting because i believe in lehigh and i believe in the you know in the staff that we have here and um, you know, I think that what we're selling, I can feel really good about that because it really is in the, the best long-term interest and development of each one of our players and in each one of our coaches really, truly care about them as people. And, um, but I would be lying and saying if it's easy, cause it's not, it's super, super difficult. It's super competitive. It is time consuming it is it's based you know it's a relationship building and so relationships take time uh, and they take effort and they take intentionality at least the way in which i i try to recruit and and it's super humbling because you can spend uh you know a year recruiting a kid and feel like you did everything right and at the end of the day you know he likes uh you know x school better because they play at a higher level you know or they got a bigger arena or they got a few more guys that went to the NBA, you know, and, and even if you feel like you've built the relationship, 
you know, those, there's just a million different factors that can turn a decision at the end of the day. And so, you know, I'm still learning and going through that process as to what are the, what are the ways in which God um, wants me to be really excellent at my job and really try to bring in like really good players who are good people, um, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's not easy, but I, I do think I've become, I've tried to become more prayerful about it. I worked for a guy um, two years ago uh, before I came to Lehigh at, at a school called Taylor University, a Christian school in Indiana. And um, he was, uh, he was, I, only, I was only there for 10 months, but he was one of the most prayerful men uh, and definitely the most prayerful coach I've ever been around. And he would pray for stuff as simple as recruiting, as simple as, you know, uh, stuff that, you know, most guys, at least that have a faith and are in his position, wouldn't even think about. And I, 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 it makes sense to me now. It's like, God, like bring the, bring the people here that you want to, to come here because at the end of the day, like you, who you want in this program, like is, you know, because as, as coaches, at least, you know, I'm really lucky to work with some really good guys. Like we, we all view this as somewhat of a, uh, of a mission field in, in, in one way or another, whether, you know, explicitly you would say that as a, as a Christian or just as somebody who wants to make a positive impact on somebody's life, we, this is more about than just wins and losses for us. But for me, you know, it's about building relationships, hopefully for the long term, and, you know, God giving them, getting the glory of us doing uh, this thing called, called college basketball. And, um, and so I, I think that I've tried to become more prayerful over the years about that. And um, that doesn't mean that you can't work and that you don't put in the time and the effort, but at the end of the day that you trust it, who, who, who comes to Lehigh is supposed to come to Lehigh. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that's interesting, even as you were saying that, because I know you've been in the grind recruiting because we've been texting yeah. and like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm in a basketball tournament. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. you know, it's just, I mean, it is all consuming in the sense of you're away from family, you're traveling, you know, different places. Yeah. So much of it. And I think across the board for anybody that, is considering not just recruitment in the the basketball sense of the word, but even in relationships. I, I think what mm -hmm. Glenn is talking about is really partnership development too. So mm -hmm. when whenever you go to work with somebody, whether you're working for them or you're starting something or you're coming on a team, there is a partnership uh, that's forming. And at the core of that is this relational uh, bond that you're creating that is this family yeah. feel and the hard thing about that is oftentimes you know you have no control over the outcome whether they're going to sign the data line or not but the um, outcome that you do have responsibility for is your responsiveness to them and mm. the value that you see in them um, even if it may mean they don't come with you because that stuff actually will stick with them and as others talk because they do talk especially in basketball circles and yeah. in life circles as well you know they start to rave about hey i can't believe how this person treated me in a good way like they, they you know oftentimes we hear the bad part but then a lot of people rave about the good experiences too yeah. where they're like wow that was that was incredible and i think even the draw of uh, what lehigh is is and I, i've heard you speak about this already but just the the high academic opportunity it is, you know, Lehigh Valley, you said this well recently uh, on, a, on another podcast I listened to with you on it, but <laughs> the Valley's got get this, right? You know, it's a large city feel, yeah. you know, because you got islands on Bethlehem and Easton, but a small town vibe to it. Yeah. And it's got so many things to offer to it. But the other part that I really appreciate about what you were saying too, is this leadership development piece. And the priority from Lehigh to those coming in, the student athletes and, and those involved at Lehigh University. So can you just talk to us a little bit about like, once they come in, what's the leadership development pathway look like? What's your philosophy around leadership development? Um, and how, you know, how would you encourage us as we think about our own um, cultures that we're in and the, the ways that we're leading about how we could take steps in our own leadership development journey as we pour into others. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the most important person you'll ever lead is yourself because um, if you can't lead yourself well, then you're not going to be able to lead others. And so I think that that's the, the cornerstone and where we always start is how do I lead me well? And that can sound a little selfish in some ways, but at the end of the day, if you aren't able to uphold, if you aren't able to set standards, um, uphold goals, uh, discover and craft a core identity for who you are, you won't be able to operate out of position of strength uh, and, and, and certainty and, um, and clarity uh, because you, uh, you know, you just kind of, you're kind of guessing at that point. And, and I think that that's number one and, and everybody comes to Lehigh and I'm sure anybody that's, you know, listening to this podcast will remember back, you know, you, when you finish high school, we're all at different points in our maturity. We're at different, we've all had different types of life experiences and the guys that we get to work with are no different. Um, they have different levels of life skills. Can you send an email to a professor? You know, can, can you, um, you know, or do you have your four-year plan already totally mapped out? We get guys on both ends of the spectrum. Um, but I think learning to lead yourself well is, is really, really crucial. Um, and it's a, it's necessary, especially early in the career. And then as you start to progress, right. And it becomes less about, um, what can I do for me? But, and then you start to move towards hopefully by the end of your college career, um, what can I, what can I become for others? Mm. And, is the person that I'm becoming the best version of myself, whatever that might look like, that could, that's going to look different for every single person on the floor, off the floor. But we're, our goal is to try to help every guy that comes into our program um, achieve excellence and operate with excellence, you know, on the court in the classroom and then for the rest of their lives. Mm. And so that is a process. It is not a clean uh, one, two, three, four steps. Uh, it is, it is messy. It is filled with failure. It's filled with, um, you know, it's filled with all kinds of emotions, you know, but at the end of the day, I think that's the valuable process that a lot of times is the most rewarding thing for us as coaches is to see guys go through that journey. And, and that's why one of the reasons I love I love being here specifically is because the nature of college basketball is such that it's become very, very transient and that, you know, guys will transfer, uh, you know, they go a place for a year and transfer, um, you know, and, and not to say we haven't had guys transfer, we have, but I would say we do our best to try to find guys that are still invested in a four-year experience and um, will find value in the development that they can get over the course of that time. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about, uh, you know, what they can do on the, on the floor, but it is about their, their development. We call it the four years for the 40, right? So it's four years at Lehigh for the 40 and the rest of, the rest of your life. And we want to set you up for success wherever life might take you. And, and we've got guys playing professionally overseas like I did. We've got guys in all different manner, you know, walks of life and professions. But hopefully their time at Lehigh has been um, – something that has really served them well and prepared them well uh, for wherever life takes them. That's really cool. So what do you, what do you use as far as like the tools at Lehigh for leadership development? Are there, cause I know you mentioned a couple of things to me, like yeah. there's, there's kind of a, a way, a, a grid, so to speak, that you guys yeah. work with them. With. Lehigh has actually like a dedicated, um, dedicated staff to leadership development within our athletic department. So that's something that's pretty unique and cool. And we get to kind of partner with them um, in terms of they, they do some, some programming early on, especially for freshmen and sophomores that really gives them the foundations of leadership development and pours into the, the core values um, of, uh, of the athletic department. And then uh, in addition to that, you know, then it's kind of our job to kind of um, use our, our framework uh, within our, our program 
to kind of supplement what they're doing and then just, you know, continue to build a stronger culture and a stronger team. So um, the, the kind of basic pathways that we just like, it's kind of what I mentioned earlier. It's just, you start with the self and then you move to the self, um, you know, with others, uh, self and others, and then self for others. So it's kind of a, a four-step process where you move from just thinking about me to ultimately not only thinking about others, but I'm actually like living and behaving for the betterment of those around me. And obviously there's so many, you know, great applications in sports um, to be able to, you know, highlight those things. And, um, and, and we really try to emphasize our core values uh, within our program, within the everyday things that we do. And that's, uh, you know, those are some of the things that we love about this process of building a team and, and going through the journey of a season together. That's awesome, man. Cause I do think one of the things you said there too, is the, the, the necessity of seeing the big picture. So like, obviously we're wanting to win on the basketball court, but we also right. want to win in life. And, yeah. and so um, part of that is to understand that in this process, they're going to be ways they're going to uh, do really well. And then times where it's not going to go very well and they're going to, you know, this part, but it's all part of the journey of lear learning to lead yourself, mm -hmm. learning to not just lead yourself, but then to be about others and then learning, you know, like, as you were saying, like all this, um, all these steps on all these tiers that you take through it, I think are so vital and important because um, it's easy, you know, to, to get stagnant and to lose sight of what's most important. And I want to encourage us in our own lives to be thinking about, yes, leading ourselves, leading others, but then, but then ensuring too, that we're thinking about like, Hey, what is my intentional growth plan for myself? And then for those I lead, like, how am I creating a, an environment for that to happen? How do we, you know, set ourselves up to have these shared experiences and growth opportunities um, where we can become the better version of ourselves and help others to do that very same thing because we are stewards of our lives. We are stewards of what God's entrusted to us. And part of what he's entrusted to us is the relationships that we have. And we need to not lose sight of that because it's so easy to just focus on the task and goal. And I understand we need to do that as well, yeah. but not to lose sight of the big picture in the midst of that, you know? And, and I think that's one of the, the most profound things. And, and that's one of the things I appreciate about you and Lindsay is uh, your desire to pour into the next generation. Like it's really clear to me when I talk to you about coaching that you care so much about the next generation and even Lindsay um, really starting this, this new role with push the rock. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell me, can you tell us a little bit about what she's going to be doing? Yeah. Um, you know, in college, both of us led a small group uh, as college students, a small group of high school kids hmm. um, at our at the church that we were a part of. So I had seven to eight to nine, whatever the number was, of kids of high school. So high school freshmen hmm. that I started mentoring as a freshman in college. Hmm. So we would meet every week and at somebody's house and have a Bible study and went on mission trips together. Got to know their families. And as I progressed through my college career and hopefully became less of a knucklehead, um, you know, they were doing the same, but through their high school careers mm. and the consistent cadence of just of meeting. And um, you kind of mentioned, kind of, you alluded to it, the sense that uh, if you want to achieve, if you want to, you know, go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And um, if you really want to change, um, you can't do that out, outside the context of, of a community that really knows you and that is, and that you're willing to be held accountable by. And so we, we saw the fruit and the richness of those relationships over the course of, of our time. And even to this day, when we go back to William and Mary and, and Williamsburg, which is the city in which the, uh, which, where the school is, some of our, the, the people that we look forward to seeing the most and that we'll prioritize are the people that um, are the, the families of those kids that we, mm -hmm. that we had. It's not necessarily classmates. It's not necessarily 
um, you know, uh, other people associated with the university was those relationships. And so Lindsay did the same exact thing that I just described with a group of girls. And, and then we went up and then we graduated and traveled all over and didn't really have roots for eight or nine years. And so we got to Lehigh, God put it on her heart to start to get, uh, it just stirred something up in her that, you know, Hey, like this is something. And she'd talked to me about it before. And, and she would start to, you know, kind of, you know, find a way to maybe start doing some, some more mentoring and ministry. And then we move again. Um, and so when she got to Lehigh, she just kind of started going to some, some meetings, some athlete Bible studies on campus, started getting to know some, some women's athletes, uh, now as a, you know, as a mom, as a, as a wife, uh, as a little bit older, uh, you know, now she, she, she has a heart, uh, to pour into the lives of college girls uh, specifically college women's college athletes and uh really felt like there was a need for that at lehigh um especially on the women's side and was just um just started doing it and then through some um through uh, some connections with push the rock and which is a local uh, sports ministry and uh lots of prayer and, and some some tears and some uh, some lots of planning and all that kind of stuff. Um, there, she was able to join staff uh, with Push the Rock uh, as kind of a an official liaison uh, who works primarily with women's athletes at, at Lehigh um, and is connected with that organization. So that's something that she's kind of started within the last year. Obviously, the pandemic made things uh, a little bit strange and difficult uh, to start a role like that, but has really been able to develop some, some really cool relationships already in a short time uh, and really has a, a heart to continue doing that. And we just feel like there's so much overlap from a remissional standpoint between what I do as a coach and what her heart is, um, you know, and her heart to, to pour into women's uh, athletes uh, on campus. And so that's the role that she started in. And uh, I'm really excited to see what God will continue to do in and through her and through our family. Yeah, so I wanted to let you guys know, go to pushtherock.org. Uh, I want to make sure I had that right, pushtherock.org, yes. And you can find more about what Lindsay's doing right there. I want to encourage you to consider prayerfully supporting her in the work she's doing. This is a plug for her because I believe in, in her and believe in these guys and what they're doing and grateful uh, that we get to see this uh maturate here as they're in the valley and for the valley it's it's pretty beautiful to watch and and so Quinn as, as you think about that point into the next generation and and I know that you do a lot obviously with recruiting and and uh, leadership development and continue to pour your life into to student athletes as you think about those who would listen who are in the the track of, of being an athlete uh, what would you you know they're you know they're doing very well in their athletics in high school or taking steps in their career, wherever age they may be in, what advice would you give um, the next generation of athletes as far as how to become better as a player and a person? Any, any thoughts that you would add beyond even what you've shared already as far as um, the, those ideas? Hmm. Um... Yeah, um, this like, I guess it depends on what age you're talking about. What age do you have in mind? You just surprised me, man. You go with it. <laughs> um, I would say when you're younger, don't yeah. take yourself too seriously. Yeah. So people say, well, I want my kid to be like Michael Phelps. You know, <laughs> I want him to win all these gold medals and be a great swimmer. So what was, so, you know, let me go to the, the best coach in the area and get some specialized coaching advice and training for my, I will say it's like a, an eight-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. are, are you there, Jeff? Yep. Okay, you were. 
Uh, and, you know, the parent says, well, I want to do, I want my kid to be like Michael Phelps. So let me get him this specialized training. And the, the trainer has all these different techniques and things that they're doing as a, as a younger coach or as a, for, for a younger athlete. It's like, well, I want my kid to be like Michael Phelps. Well, you want your kid to be like Michael Phelps, but why don't you do what Michael Phelps was doing at that age? And you know what Michael Phelps was doing at that age? He was playing soccer and swimming and playing basketball and maybe running some track and just trying different things and, you know, and, and kind of, uh, you know, not focusing and specializing early. I'm really against early specialization in, in athletics. So if you have a younger athlete, I would, I would really – there's a lot of research in terms of not only like physical breakdown and burnout, but mental fatigue and kids that just quit sports, you know, because they just get burnt out too quickly. Now I'll say that to also say at some point you need to, if you really want to be a high level athlete, you got to make some sacrifices. You got to, you got to come up with a plan. You have to make some sacrifices to figure out what do I need to do to get to the next level? Um, and then you got to have the discipline to be able to put yourself in those positions because of the way in which you, you kind of go about your business. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen both sides of the spectrum. I've seen kids that are just super, super driven and specialized too early. And by the time they're sophomore juniors in high school, they just hate the sport, mm -hmm. right? Because it's just, that's all they do. And that's, and if, and, and any, a little amount of failure just throws them off a ledge, mm -hmm. Right. And then I've seen the other side of it where it's like, well, I want to, I want to be a college basketball player. Like, okay, great. Uh, what are you doing this summer? Well, my family and I are going to uh, the outer banks for, for three weeks in July. Oh, really? <laughs> they are. Okay. So you're not going to play basketball for three weeks in the, in the summer when it's, you know, when you're in one of the most important times of the year for, you know, for your development. So th there's, there's both sides of the spectrum, I would say. Um, but, maybe you can find something in the middle yeah well no that's good though because i do think even even the person part of that is the for the younger age it's not to take yourself so seriously to enjoy just the uh the different sports and even life yeah because <laughs> this is a long road and then those who are older i think even to hunker down a bit and say hey i can still enjoy my life but discipline needs to start to to take shape a bit like beyond like yeah. hey this is a a wish full thought this is no this is my plan this is how i'm going to prioritize this is my purpose that's driving yeah. both my my plans and my priorities and i i think hmm. and that's just a good word i was just curious from your vantage point so quinn as we um wrap up here man thanks so much for your time i, I wanted to ask how can people connect with you learn more. I know you got your own site, so make sure you <laughs> mention that uh, to, the, to the people here. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, and even about, you know, Lehigh uh, basketball, like where can people find information about that? So how can they can contact you? I'll just, I'll just send you my contact. I'll give you my cell phone and my email and I'll, um, I'll give you a little like um, a little website that uh, Lindsay and I built that kind of, um, just talks about our, our mission as a family, her work with Push the Rock, uh, how, how people can partner with us. Um, but we'd love, but, you know, anybody that wants to ever wants to come to a Lehigh game, uh, just let me know. I'll just put you on a ticket list. And um, we'd love to, you know, we'd love to meet other believers. We'd love to meet uh, basketball fans and, uh, and friends. So uh, it's, um, it's been a good two years with strange COVID year thrown in there um but we really feel like i really feel like you know we recently just bought a house um not necessarily our plan but once again uh <laughs> got, got a different a, a different uh ideas for us and i don't know maybe it's i had a sense that this is a season of life where god has been asking us okay like i've moved you around a little bit but it's time for you to put down some roots for, for the time being. And I don't really even know what that looks like, but I, I do think it looks like relationally investing um, in a way that 
you're not just thinking about the next move necessarily, but that you're really here. And so I don't know what that looks like in terms of, you know, uh, how people would want to connect with us, but I'll give you all that information. And uh, if, if the Lord leads, um, you know, we'd love to connect with whoever would be interested. We'll put all that in the show notes. I, just so I know, I'm curious, what's the website? Can you tell me the website? Now you got me on the edge of my seat. Oh, it's not like a, a <laughs> it's like a Spark page. Have you ever, have you ever uh, created a Spark page? Uh, no, but, no okay. but okay, you can tell me after we get off here. It, there's not actually, yeah, you know, no, it's, 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 I made it sound like a bigger deal than I, than it is. No, dude, it's awesome, man. But you also have a, this is different than the basketball coaching thing that you have. I have a, like a basketball coaching website that I work on when I have time, um, and that is called aretehoops.com. So if somebody really, I don't know who listening to this would really want to go to there, but I'm going to um, put it all on the show notes. Don't you worry. Yeah, be there. Uh, hey, Quinn, it was yeah, so fun having you uh, join us today, man. I appreciate you taking the time and especially in the midst of the crazy recruiting season you're in. And yeah, just grateful for the good work that I see uh, God doing in you. Um, and then, through you and then around you it's very evident to me um beyond this podcast when we connected several other times just very clear uh sense that he's brought you here man and you're you're being faithful to what he's asked you to do and that i believe that faithfulness has turned into fruitfulness so just want to encourage you to to continue on and stay the course and yeah man just grateful for you and your family and i'm glad you're here and and i hope that uh, you're here for many, many years. I'm, I'm on the hunt <laughs> to find you a head coaching job. Yeah. I was you telling your wife, I was like, all right, maybe I can call somebody and say, hey, maybe <laughs> you to move on or retire. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, hi, Quinn, good job. But again, thanks for joining us. And hey, if you would like to learn more about uh, what's going on with Quinn, we'll have that in the show notes. And also be, uh, be sure to check out uh, our website, visionforthevalley.com. But again, Quinn, thanks for being on the Vision for the Valley podcast. Thanks for having me, Joe. It was great.